0: I think when it comes to your overall business, just like you said, whether it's working in the day-to-day, whether it's working on tax-specific strategies, whether it's working on exit strategies, there are a couple of things that you always want to do. I mean, I think that from a communication standpoint, always communicate. If you think you're over-communicating, you're probably not. Whether it's with your advisor, whether it's with your your partners, always want to make sure that you're having discussions, you know, proactively thinking ahead.
1: Welcome to the Women Choosing Growth Podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of success, challenges of growth, and lessons learned from women entrepreneurs, industry experts, and thought leaders who have been through the growing pains inevitable as an entrepreneur. Whether you are just getting started or are looking to scale up your business, our show is designed to provide you with the tools, resources, and community you need to grow your business. Join your host, Tina Sue, a lifelong entrepreneur and business growth advisor, as we explore topics such as marketing, sales, finance, leadership, and personal growth, all tailored specifically to the needs of women entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to grow your business faster and smarter, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Welcome back to the show. Let's
2: face it, ladies, taxes are something most of us cringe when we hear. But it's part of the entrepreneur's life, whether we like it or not. Sometimes it seems like the more profit we make, the more we pay in taxes. But taxes and all the components that are tied to that annual return should not be overlooked or thought of as just another task. So I brought on an expert today to tell us how to navigate that side of the business. Today's guest is Kelly Runge, who is an expert in tax and business advisory services for small and medium-sized companies. She's a partner at Whitfley, a tax consulting firm that spans over 20 states and 3 countries. Kelly's expertise is world-class, but I also love her and her team's approach. Their motto is to create a lasting, positive impact for every person, organization, and community that they engage with. She and her team are not your ordinary CPA firms. They go beyond the tax return and really focus on being a partner to their clients. She will be sharing her entrepreneur journey with us and also some important tax knowledge for you as a woman business leader to be focused on as you build your business and your tribe to help you grow. Let's hear from her. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we have uh, one of my favorite tax experts that is going to share her expertise because I know that is a topic on a lot of our minds as we continue to grow our business. So welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you. I am very happy to be here. Before we dive into some of the questions that I have for you, I would love for you to share your journey of... You have a very interesting path of how you got to be partner at a very large Midwestern CPA firm. Um, But it wasn't a straight path for you. Can you share with the listeners how you started your career and what that path looked like? Sure. I would love
0: to. And you're right. It kind of ended up being a long and winding road. But Uh, In the end, very happy with where we're at. When I graduated from college, I'll even back up before that, I knew when I started college that I was going to be an accountant. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know what I'd be doing. I didn't know if I'd be working with numbers. I was good at math. Did that matter? Didn't know. But decided I was going to be an accountant. So I went and got my degree, got my CPA. And I started right out of college with a top 10 accounting firm. And I was there for 10 years. And even at the very beginning, my only goal was to be a partner in a public accounting firm. So I started just like everybody else, staff, senior, worked my way up, kind of worked those tax season hours, worked on Mm. all different clients. As I got a little bit more advanced, I focused um, in the construction area. And I did that for about 12 years, enjoyed what I was doing, uh, liked the work, liked the clients, liked the people that I worked with. You probably have heard that you know being in a public accounting firm has a lot of drawbacks when it comes to the amount of time it takes and the hours that you put in. All of those things were true, but I still really enjoyed what I did. At one point, though, I was with a client, and they asked me to do what was a very simple task, and that was to help them pay their payroll taxes. And I had no idea how to do that. I could do all sorts of other things. I could complete financial statements. I could prepare tax returns, but I couldn't help them with something that was really pretty basic in operating their business. And that really had me take pause how I was being the best consultant that I could be for my clients. And that just kind of led me into this path of was my goal the right goal? Did I really still want to be a partner in a CPA firm? Just did a bunch of soul searching and came to the conclusion that maybe I needed to do something else. There was something missing. i had kind of lost my engagement. You know, where was I going to go? Which at the same time, an opportunity presented itself with one of my clients where I had an opportunity to into a small business, I could go out and I could do all of the things on the other side of my table that my clients did that I didn't know anything about. Preparing the budgets, paying the payroll taxes, doing the payroll, all of those day to day tasks, all of the planning, all of the operational HR IT things that weren't part of my world in public accounting. So took that opportunity and did that after about 12 years in public accounting knew pretty quickly within a couple of years after I left that, okay, this isn't my passion either. It's great. I'm getting a great education, but I really did enjoy what I did when it came to public accounting and working with all my clients. About the time I came to that realization, it was 2008. 2008, 2009, 2010 were rough years. I really felt an obligation to my other partner's That I wasn't gonna leave. I wasn't gonna go back to public accounting. I wasn't going to leave the business at this point. We had some stuff to get through, just like everybody else did. So I stayed, um, got a great education, right? You learn more during the rough times than you do during the good times. So after about eight years, decided businesses were good, we've made it through that downturn, everybody was in the right place. And I could look to see what other opportunities were out there. At that time, I'd had some discussions with Whitflee knew that they focused on small to medium-sized, privately held businesses. And that was really where my passion was. Uh, I knew that everything I had done during the last few years, I could bring now to the table and could even be a bigger resource for some of my clients. I think that you know the one thing I had to remember was going back to the start of my career, I had a single-minded goal to be a partner in a public accounting firm. And there were many times during those years that I was out that I felt that that was missing. So I knew when I came back, I still needed to focus on that. And that had to be something that I could attain. So it was very clear that, you know, coming into Whippley, this is what I wanted. Even though I'm coming in at an age and a time where I've been out for eight years, you know, it's a young person's game. I maybe wasn't, you know, I had to rebuild a book. I had to do a lot of stuff. i had to put in a lot of work wanted to make sure that if I did that, it would be recognized and I would still have these opportunities. At no point during that journey with Whitley did I think that that wasn't an opportunity. And everything came to fruition, you know, performance as expected, kind of things went the way we thought they were, and was granted that opportunity as you know, par- a partner in the firm to fulfill that goal. So eventually got there. Uh, again, long and winding road, took several more years than I originally probably thought that it would have, but was very fortunate to say, I did it. You can do it. And we were able to help clients now with all of those other educational things.
2: I absolutely love that story too. There's a couple of key things in there, right? Of like following your gut. You, you knew that there was something missing, didn't quite know what it was until it presented itself basically. And I also love the fact that you saw the need to go and get the missing pieces to be the best at that partner, which was ultimately goal, even though when you left, you didn't know that it was still your goal. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, you really followed your, your, your instincts along that winding path.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes there were things that I didn't know I was doing. You know, I really felt I was passionate about helping others, you know, sharing my knowledge, learning about businesses. And when I left the first time, I didn't think I was helping, but now as I come back, I realize that you know, realistically, for a lot of our businesses, we do play a pretty vital role in helping them with things that they don't have somebody to do. So, helping every day, even though you know it's not the way we maybe think of it. But
2: I think I think that brings me to one very important question. Um, I have several important questions for you, but the first one is when people think. Uh, entrepreneurs are looking at their business. I know this was me in the beginning too, and I didn't have a clue. And if people who are listening are starting out on their journey, they just need someone to do their taxes, right? Because it's an obligation that we have. But a CPA really is more than that. I've definitely had my experiences with ones that were not good. And then obviously with you, I can sleep well at night knowing that whole side of my business is taken care of by an expert. Again, we talk about hiring hiring or partnering with people who are our weaknesses, that side of things, definitely my weakness. So what should people be, first of all, actually, can you explain in a nutshell what a CPA is or who they should be looking for to help them with this side of their business?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do think there are always different, there's different size firms, there's different levels of um, provider, there are different needs. What you have for a need in your business versus what a hundred million dollar manufacturing company has as needs vary greatly, right? The thing that you can do, you you have small firms who might be able to handle, you know, startup business, everything going. But as they grow, can they continue to do that? I, one of the benefits that we have with our firm is we really can handle everything from infancy all the way through final succession and what happens after that so it's a very broad range now with that broad range there come other things that you have to think about you're not dealing with just one person who's helping you all the time you team i mean when i have a client there are usually other individuals that are involved in that client so it's a team approach and some people think that's great some people think i really just want one person to go to i want to have business this this. so there's different things to think about when you're looking at who you want that to be, regardless of size of firm, services you need, there are things that are just general expectation, you expect technical expertise. And what you really want to look for, for me, as I'm thinking about it is, what are the other things? Are they proactive? Can they help me with other items that I have relative to my business more consultative? Are there operational items? Are there things completely outside of it? I mean, I will get questions on insurance, registrations in other states, stuff that is not things that we would normally take care of, but I can at least help point in a direction. So really looking beyond just a tax return preparation, that's compliance. Anybody with a CPA should be able to do compliance. You want to find an individual who can partner with you and work on the other pieces of your business as you grow.
2: I think that's so important too, because it's, you know, what is the thing? You don't know what you don't know. So it's like, sure, you can have that piece of paper at tax time that says, we've checked the box and you filed your taxes. But what are all the things that, if you don't have that strategic partner of a CPA part of your business, then you could be missing a lot of opportunities, not just from a tax side, but also from an operational side? Is that what I'm hearing you say?
0: Yeah. And it really comes down to, as you're doing that, communicating. You know, there are things that happen every day in business that you deal with on a regular basis in your business. That from my perspective, if I don't talk to you once a quarter, once a month, whatever that is, there's a lot that happens that we miss. So to make sure that we're giving that additional service, I mean, there are clients that I talk with on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, not all the time, but as things might be happening. So it really comes down to having that relationship with somebody that you trust and you can have the discussions and you know those communications with.
2: Yeah, I love that. One of the biggest questions that I get from clients is, you know, as we talk about enterprise value and I, I know I had the same struggle, even though I wasn't planning on selling my business and that kind of fell in my lap, but it's always this yin and yang, right? Between I want my bottom line to be fat just in case I want to sell or someone comes knocking at my door. But when your bottom line's fat, you also pay a lot of taxes. So... What's your advice on strategy or how do you manage through that feeling of that bottom line versus not when, when, for these business owners?
0: Mm -hmm. I think you have to keep in mind that there's two pieces to this puzzle, right? You have the financial statement piece of maximizing your business value and you have your tax strategies. Those two have to coexist, but they're not the same thing. So when you're looking to maximize your business value, and as you get to the point where, all right, I'm going to sell, I need to consider this, a lot of times, especially in this market, what you're focused on or what people are working with is your EBITDA, right? Your earnings before income, interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. That is a number that's based on your internal financial statements. So that fat bottom line. Whereas when we're completing a tax return, we really start with that fat bottom line, your financial statement income. And then we use specific tax strategies to reduce income for tax purposes only. So depending on your business, depending on what those strategies are, and they vary from your method of accounting for tax purposes to accelerating depreciation, those things are tax only. So I can still maximize my EBITDA, grow my bottom line if I have the ability to utilize some of these specialized tax opportunities. And that comes down to planning. It comes down to, you know, working with your provider on a regular basis to make sure you're taking advantage of that.
2: I was gonna say the exact same thing because prior to working with you, I that was something that had happened to me. I had my CPA at the end of the tax year and then went, Oh, (laughs) there was quite a few things that I could have done to not have to pay as much taxes as I did when that company was in that growth mode. And you're starting to see a profit and it looks great until you realize like, if I didn't have that partner, like, um, like you are to be telling me some of the things that I could have done to help reduce that big check that I wrote.
0: (laughs) And I think the one thing to keep in mind when you're looking to maximize that value, the whole purpose of using an EBITDA calculation is to factor out any of those differences, business to business. You factor out financing by removing interest, you factor out uh, your tax structure by doing it before taxes. So it really looks to kind of eliminate some of those strategies to get at what's that core value of your operating business.
2: Are you an accomplished woman business owner with a story to tell? Do you crave a platform where you can share your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Hey, everyone, it's Tina here. If you're fans of the show, then you know we are a show that celebrates the strengths and resilience of women entrepreneurs just like you. As we're getting this podcasting community going, I thought it would be fitting to an extended invitation to apply To join me as a guest on our Top 100 podcast platform. I started Women Choosing Growth because I believe that real growth happens when we come together and share our expertise and our experiences. We wanna hear your inspiring stories, the challenges you face, and the lessons you've learned on your entrepreneur journey. Whether you've triumphed over adversity or faced setbacks head on, your story has the power to inspire and empower other women just like you. This platform is for you to showcase your achievements, highlight your expertise, and create meaningful connections within our community. So if you're a fearless woman business owner, unafraid to open up about your path to success, we want you on our show. Go to www.womenchoosinggrowth.com and join our community. From there, you'll be given the chance to fill out the short application. If you believe that you have a story to share, then why not? Once again, it's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. I can't wait to feature more amazing and talented women in this community. Now back to the show. One question and, um, that I quite frequently uh, on that same path and I, I never know how to answer it because I've, I think the answer is it totally depends, which is not really a confident answer but what can people put through their business as a business expense that is completely compliant are
0: we talking for in general just tax purposes or just yep in in general when you're looking at it you know the irs will come in and they're gonna say you know you'll hear the phrase ordinary and necessary Right. So that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different businesses. Are there ways to maximize strategies for things that, you know, you might think are personal? If you're a TikTok follower, I'm pretty sure you have probably seen plenty of TikToks this year telling you to go out and employ your kids. That is a (laughs) completely legitimate fourteen
2: or something, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Well, I've had some people want to do it at one and two, so there is a strategy (laughs) that can be completely legitimate, right? You can employ your children if they're working in your business. Can you pay them? Can you use that as an opportunity to maximize a Roth or to do something else? Sure, can. That also has the flip side. Then of people hear that and say, "Wait a minute, my six month old should be able to be on the payroll." So you have to balance a lot of times with businesses, the reality versus their expectations. You know, we get that with a lot of things. Business use of vehicle. Do you have a vehicle? Can you use it for a business? Is that a potential opportunity? Sure. You just want to make sure that if it's not business related, you're accounting for it properly and doing all of the things you need to do. So I think when you think about what's legitimate, what can I do? Anything related to that business ordinary and necessary is kind of going to be that key. And if you're not sure, then you do just ask your provider. There's been times where there's been discussions of, okay, can I do this? Is this something? And then we just have a discussion around it. So it depends, isn't always a bad answer because what's ordinary and necessary in one business might not be ordinary and necessary in another business. Um, A lot of nuances. That's why it becomes critical, even from the very beginning, to find an advisor that can help you. Uh, I would say more often than not, people miss opportunities in deducting certain expenses, especially as they're getting started.
2: And that's again, to your point where you said, you know, business owners have their head down, they're growing their business and they're thinking this is no big deal. I just had a party that I invited my clients to, but it was at my house. And I also invited my family. Like if they're not oversharing, like you said, like, if they're not sharing that stuff, that could be a missed opportunity, especially if it was a client event. Yeah. So, again, I hear you say it's really key to have that person on your, in your tribe, on your team from day one. If you don't have one now, make sure that you have that strategic partner. When with uh, my main business, I, uh, we had government funding, so had the audits that you know. And um, so that's kind of how I always frame it is like, if, if I had an audit, if I could go back and prove it, if I had received or I had proof of that thing that was business related, then I feel like I'm good.
0: (laughs) And it's very important to do that in the moment. It's really a lot harder to go back and recreate the information. Now it's been done, right? I've had clients that have had a calendar. They'd keep their manual calendars. Could they go back and recreate things that they needed to in an audit situation? You could, but it's so much easier for everybody to just do it as you go. If you know you need to do it, just take that little bit of extra time.
2: Yep. So you can sleep at night too. hmm Awesome. On that same focus of maximizing enterprise value, when it comes to that, uh, either selling part of their business, all of their business, or merging or any kind of acquisition, like there's so many exits, right? What does a CPA's role look like um, prior to that and during that um, situation,
0: planner, advisor, counselor, all of the above, um, you know, always want to get our clients to have those discussions as soon as possible. I have been at weekly for 10 years, I have clients that I have talked about transition for 10 years, some might be getting close, you know, the time to talk about transition kind of in my mind is always now. Whether your timeline is three years, five years, 10 years, you don't know. Always have the discussion because I think that there are certain things that you need to work through. And our role a lot of times is just to get you thinking about that. And as I have those discussions with clients, where I usually will start with them is look at your personal situation. What do you need to exit? You know, have you met with your financial planner? Have you modeled out what that retirement number is? You know, if you have a need for $6 million in enterprise value and you have a $3 million enterprise, somehow that gap has to be closed. So, first, know what you need, right? Then, once you kind of are in that position, know what you have. So, whether that's getting an initial calculation of value for the company as it sits right now, it's either going to meet that need, or now we can say, all right, how do I go about maximizing my business value? What kind of things do I have to think about? Are there mergers and acquisitions I need to consider? Is my profitability where it needs to be? Do I have some customer diversification that I need to work on? That's just part of getting the business to where it has to go. And then you can focus on that. And I think ultimately, the succession of the ownership Usually, isn't that difficult if the parties are financially and emotionally prepared. I have certainly been in situations where there have been discussions, you get all the way to the end. And guess what? That partner is not emotionally prepared to make this transition happen. And it makes for a very difficult situation. So knowing as a person who's transitioning, especially if you have a small business with a couple of owners, you have to have that individual be emotionally ready to move forward. I think the one thing we always talk about as well is we can plan the succession, we can plan the ownership transition, but what they really need to focus on as part of maximizing business value is what's the leadership succession? What's that individual's role in the business? Have you replaced it? How are you going to replace it? Uh, And what does that look like? So it's just a myriad of things that we talk about and work through uh, as those discussions come to play.
2: Yeah, so much good stuff in what you just said. A um, couple key points is the emotional side. It's It's similar to retirement, not just from the business side of, but just people retiring in general. They're like, wait so long for it. And then they have no emotional clue of what they're going to do after that. And that's a big hurdle for a lot of people. Imagine if you're sort of retiring from the baby that you've grown uh, being the business for so many years. It's it's um, I forgot the stat. I mentioned it in a different episode of how many people after they've sold their business were unhappy with the sale. And a big chunk of that is like, oh, I thought life was going to be this <laughs> magical thing when I didn't have to work every day or whatever the case is. So that mental prep is huge.
0: Mm-hmm. In that 100%. Crisis. I have had situations where that mental readiness has delayed. The situation and, you know, realistically can cause a more difficult transition, harder feelings. It's not as easy. It's not as clean. So, you know, even if you think you are, you need to can, you know, you need to be sure you need to you know, be in that place. And that requires a lot of discussion in those situations. It's your accountant. It's your banker. It is your attorney. There is a team of people that you have to work with to kind of make this happen. The sooner, the better is just what I would always say.
2: Yeah. And I heard you say that too, that, and, and I've said it several times that thinking about the exit like we just talked about what that actually looked like. But if you're thinking about that day one of building your business or day here, today's date, if you're listening to this and haven't really thought about the end, because there's a lot of prep that goes into it, like tactical prep, and then also mental prep.
0: 100%. And there are so many options in today's environment now is the mergers and acquisitions environment different than it was a year ago? Probably. But I mean, you always want to kind of stay in tune with what's happening in your industry. What does that look like? And what are your potential options for transition? Is it internal? Is it family? Is it private equity? You know, what does that look like for you? And start thinking
2: about it. And it, you don't have to have the answer because some new opportunity could walk right into your life.
0: Correct. Somebody with that bucket of money never know when they're going to come in the door.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I mean, I talked about that. Uh-huh. That it happened to me. I, you know, I thought you I did. was going to have that business for a long time, yeah. and opportunity can come knocking. Mm-hmm. Or there's the other side of things, which not to be on on the sad side, but you know, there's death, there's disability, there's divorce, there's any number of things that aren't the positive. Someone coming knocking on your door that if you don't have that plan of what of the what ifs. Can throw even a bigger wrench versus if you've talked about it with your tribe like you said your attorney your cpa your advisors partners if you're not the sole business owner so many things you can do to prep and just make that easier
0: correct 100
2: accurate we talked a lot today from everything from just who what what kind of cpa to look for why that's important to have that person on your team as you grow your business. Some of the tactical things about, you know, profitable profit and loss statement versus your tax return and how to kind of manage some of those to the exit. If you had to summarize everything, what what are the things that the listener should really be taking away from today?
0: I think when it comes to your overall business, just like you said, whether it's Working in the day-to-day, whether it's working on tax-specific strategies, whether it's working on exit strategies, there are a couple of things that you always want to do. I mean, I think that from a communication standpoint, always communicate. If you think you're over-communicating, you're probably not. Whether it's with your advisor, whether it's with with your partners, always want to make sure that you're having discussions, you know, proactively thinking ahead. I think the other thing following up on that is don't just plan execute. You know, how, what do you need to do to put things in place? You know, you can plan and plan and plan and plan. But if you never kind of make that leap to do the next thing, you're not going to move forward. So in addition to being able to plan, make sure you have the people and the team in place to help you execute on your strategies. And maybe the last thing is to be just a little bit more deliberate. Don't just let things happen. Kind of think through what is that strategy deliberately go after. Go after the people that can help you look to your resources. If you don't have someone internally or that, you know, that can help you with a go-to-market strategy, reach out, ask somebody to find you those resources. Everything is there. You might just not know where to find it right
2: away. Mm -hmm. We've heard from so many experts that have been guests on the podcast that mentors are huge in the growth of a business. We've all had them in different expertise, different timelines of our, of our journey. So yeah, I think that's important. Don't be afraid to ask for the expertise or the help.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you yourself said, where did you start out? Where did you kind of find some of your early successes in the people that you were with in some of the groups? Same here, you know, find out where you have those resources. Is it industry groups? Is it consulting options? Is it tech groups? You know, what are the things that you need to kind of open up your eyes to help you grow in the different areas that you need to grow. Care no what business owner you are, you aren't able to do it all. You need a team, whether that's an internal team or bringing in resources to help you from the outside. Various places
2: to find them. I think that's a perfect place to end this conversation because I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> well, I appreciate the opportunity to sit down and chat with you today. Yeah, I appreciate it too. I. I feel that our listeners now have a little roadmap of, of all the things that they should be looking at from picking their head up from their day to day and really thinking a bigger picture like we talked about today. So I appreciate you being on the show, Kelly. Wonderful. Thank you, Tina.
1: I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. So you never miss an episode. The woman choosing growth show is not just another podcast. It's a tribe of women helping each other grow. So please, share this podcast with all the women entrepreneurs that you would love to see succeed. If you'd like to know more about customized business advising through Cultivate Advisors, download business tools, or sign up for upcoming events, visit www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Once again, that's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Remember, we are in this together. See you on the next one.